0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to another very special blustery, wintry episode of Ignite Radio Live.
1: Over the five mighty stations of Annunciation Radio, you are with Greg and Stephanie Schleter, and we hope to bring a little warmth tonight.
0: Absolutely. So, Steph, tonight, after some amazing episodes, which we've had, really, we're over 300 episodes, it's amazing to think, over six years now... And uh, let me see here on my computer, I had brought up some of the past ones. Just to alert you all, if you want to find them on any place, you can find podcasts, Spotify or Google or whatever, or just go to igniteradiolive.com. Just to whet your appetite, some great conversations. Episode 318, we interviewed the two brothers Riveras, who uh, listened to the Holy Spirit and literally followed that guidance and uh, went into the epicenter of Muslim countries and evangelized and saw amazing things happen, trusted in God to get there, trusted in God to lead them. Real deal, people. He told the story. Young 20-somethings, uh, alive with Christ, who actually responded to it. Then, uh, episode 319, we interviewed Tom Hornacek, who is, uh, works substantially with Avi Maria Radio. And um, his amazing conversion story, he had some great things to share with us with great wisdom of his own conversion and definitely identified some of the reality of the Holy Spirit alive with us today from his vantage of working with Encounter Ministries and Unbound, some of the familiar entities that we have been working with. Episode 320, we were blessed to have permission
1: from both Matt Frad and Ralph Martin um, to air the interview that they did together for Matt's show, Pints with Aquinas, and um, we just did the first hour. It's almost three hours, which is all worth listening to, um, but just really the state of affairs and our response to it as a church and um, some very real stuff, mm-hmm. but also very real hope amidst it and just honest conversations are so key and so important and we need to learn that better um, as Christians as Catholic Christians in particular to lead the way and both Ralph and Matt's um, time together really exemplifies a great uh, way to do that and then episode 321 which I'm not a part of Mm, That's okay. you're a part of you heard it you were home
0: (laughs) I'm kidding you helped provide you facilitated
1: it's for the men so it was the men's gathering unplugged which we were blessed um to gather a number of just solid good good men that have blessed our life our life here in Toledo um for an evening together and uh Jonathan Jacobowski I always want to make sure I say that right gave some real uh, beautiful insights and that night too which we were happy to share with you so always good you know um To go back and listen and re-listen, the Lord, I think, speaks at different Mm. uh, ways, at different moments. And who's not looking for something to download, you know, as you're on that treadmill or in the car or um, cleaning the house (laughs) or doing whatever, Um, the quiet is beautiful and important, but also if you are looking for, you know, that little extra something, uh, very worthy of going back and listening to some of these episodes, <laughs> IgniteRadioLive.com.
0: So folks, if you like history as I do, particularly the McCullough accounts of so many significant moments in our history, and I even think the O'Reilly books uh, capture good his- history and it's their page turners, right, the killing series, but um, the pioneer days where they ventured out into the wilderness without uh, having all the provision that we have. It's difficult to imagine, isn't it, in open wagons or horses, right? They didn't have places to stop by with safety. They uh, faced various threats of other Native Americans or food or whatever the case may be, breakdowns. I mean, all the questions that, um, you know, we ought to have in thinking about, what would it take just for a family trip in a car? Well, multiply that many times over. So what a great image for us to think about our spiritual landscape today Heading in the wilderness. We know not in many ways what's going to hit us, what we're what we're being faced with, or getting hit by it. And what do we need to survive in the wilderness? That's the question we pose tonight. Stephanie and I will probably call some people out of the blue and ask them questions. But what do we need to survive in the wilderness today? And let's just bring some definition to that, Stephanie. Who would have thought 10 years ago that one of our political parties would align itself with the name socialism in any ways. Who would have thought that decisively they would have been committed 30, 40 years ago to a policy of denying uh, marriage between a husband and a wife, a man and a woman, or even gender as we know it. Who would have thought that we would have not only allowed unborn babies to be killed in the womb up to nine months and beyond, but institutionalize it, protect it, and even fund it not only in our country, but throughout the world. Who would have thought that we would have entered into an economic circumstances that prioritized entitlement empowerment—that That is, we want to hand out to you because you deserve and owe something, even if we can't pay for it, instead of saying, we want to create a landscape where you, through hard work, through effort, through support, can, can accomplish things, bringing us to a point now where even it's, you know, we find the challenges pressed even within our church of where do we stand as the church of Christ, truly his presence on this earth, how are we meant to live in this current atmosphere of denial of the human person, denial of our sexuality, the confusion, the language uh, shall we say, the depression that is at levels that we never would have expected. How are we called as church to be a beacon of hope as a beacon of faith in the circumstances even with a, the weaponized uh health system situation that's happened in the last year or two that regardless of where you stand with regard to covid um, can we all not recognize the degree to which a cloud of fear has very much characterized people's lives their spirits their decisions where is the church and all that mm-hmm. other than just the ex- you know the exceptional voice that's willing to speak out and uh, and address this and be, be an occasion of healing which ought to be with the represent. So th- this is the the wilderness, right? This you know characterizes the spiritual relational times that we live in. We see it translated into many people isolating, right? We see we've seen it last year with the lockdowns, we've seen it with masks. We see this strong pressures at the very core when we're made for one another. And this is truly an answer to the question of the wilderness. Number one, that we need to be a tribe. We need to recognize who are those that are kindred in heart, mind, and soul and to band with them to, to be strong and living these values together. But uh, the enemy wants to isolate, right? He wants to cause us to be... Um, you know, living in fear behind closed doors instead of coming together, trusting in God. And yes, there's health circumstances. We're not denying that there aren't some real uh, realities of people who've suffered and died. I faced my COVID circumstances. Um, I'm just going to suggest this, though, very strongly, um, that we run a risk of uncritically accepting the mainstream media and medical narrative. I'll say that again. We run a risk of uncritically accepting what we have been spoon-fed, if you will, from all the media complicit with the lies that have denied genuine healing remedies in the early stages of COVID, have suppressed those remedies. We know that this is absolutely true. Where's the church in speaking about this? Listening to gifted voices such as uh, Peter McCullough, who is arguably the most credible peer-reviewed doctor on the planet talking about these and whose content has been suppressed by mainstream media. Robert Malone. Robert Malone, who is the, the founder of mRNA technology. Listen to, I urge you all to listen to his interview with Joe Rogan. You might have to put up at the end with a few colorful colorful words by Rogan, but he asks some very pointed questions. He plays devil's advocate and you hear from Robert Mullen, who by the way, was vaccinated by the invention he created raises all the serious questions. And at the end, especially the last half hour talks about the degree to which all of culture, society, politics, medicine is complicit. And I don't know why. I mean, all only we can ask the question, who's holding the strings and to what end? It's a question we all have to ask. Why are they denying um, that which could have arguably, scientists have said, saved 85% of those who've died if we just attended to the early stages of this disease. Again, just painting the picture at this onset of 2022 of the wilderness that we're living in and saying, where is the church? And I, I, I kind of raised the, uh, the one, um, Essential, that is key to this, the tribe. I use the word tribe. I encourage you all to read the book or be familiar with a great uh, work of Sebastian Younger. He's a secular author who chronicled the history of mankind uh, up to this current day that defines cultures from the very beginning of time up to present day and describes how more than gold, you know, more than prestige, more than power, more than anything, people desire to know their value, their meaning to contribute to communities that they share a common mission with. So all that to say, in these difficult, shall we say, deleterious, dangerous circumstances around us, we have the occasion of. Coming together, of awakening, of recognizing our common core, our identity, to behold Christ, to know who we are in Him, and further to be instruments of him, his message, and his truth, and his transforming power to the world around us. And with that, I give testimony. I've been monologuing here, but Steph may be just tapping this piece that we experienced through our Encounter School of Ministry, the conference a couple weeks ago, and just our, you like this word, matriculating in the Counter School of Ministry with over 20 diocesan schools throughout the country, how they've been tremendous occasions of God with us. So,
1: Wow. You took us deep into the wilderness, love, but not without hope. Before we talk about encounter, um, just listening to you as you speak of the tribe, right, um, I'm taken back to this past Sunday's uh, first reading where the community gathered, so it's from the book of Nehemiah, and you have Ezra, Mm. right, and... um, reading from, what did they say, daybreak to midday? Mm,
0: six hours. <laughs> the
1: uh, the law, so the Torah, um, that he proclaimed, and the people wept, and you know the story, and if you don't, look it up. Um, but... What struck me was the whole communal aspect, right like we are called and should um, spend time with the Word of God every day right to to delve deeply into scripture to allow the Lord opportunity to to speak to us through His word, which is alive right mm-hmm. um, so but again listening to you that communal aspect we're called to community we're called to um, delve into the word to delve into Mm -hmm. the truth together as a community Um, and obviously as a church who's been given the authority (laughs) to interpret to you know um, proclaim the truths of scripture the lord still speaks individually to us in line with that and so um so yeah, I don't know where exactly I'm going with that. Give a shout that. out
0: to Monsignor Borger in his fabulous homily this past Sunday to all of us in talking about the importance of being anchored in the Word. Well, I'll just say. So you, you just know, did. <laughs> well, but, <laughs> go for but it. you know, he was shout honest about, again. he said in these difficult times, mm-hmm. uh, here is a wizened Gandalf-esque stature leader of our church here in the Toledo area, a great pastor of our Paris saint Joan of arc and um, just really recognizing, humbling himself and saying, I know I need to go deep. I need to be more anchored. I need to be anchored in the Word. And he not only communicated the importance of that, connecting it to the gospel in the readings in our church, the gift of our church, but he gave some valuable resources to those who are listening to do that. And I would just offer, from our standpoint, um, our whole movement, I Love My Family dot us. You can find this is uniting uh, parents and families, which is the 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 ecclesia. Domestica, the domestic church, places where we ought to experience the strength, the encouragement, the strengthening, the formation for the kingdom. We provide this weekly gathering guide based upon Sunday readings as occasions for us to truly what encounter the word of God and be strengthened in all those ways. We do direct you to I Love My Family. Us to experience that. So,
1: um, so yeah, I, he Monsignor Borger mentioned this, and I also read a reflection, not sure where, about this, but, you know, you had highlighted, Greg, the, you know, six hours, right? He he read Scripture, and, <laughs> you know, we whine if a homily goes longer than 10 minutes, or, you know, we our checklist of, okay, I read the readings for today, or, um, you know, I spent some time in Scripture, but just how the Lord invites us to go deeper, to, you know... Yeah, uh, yeah, just to partake of his word, to be fed by it. And um, the old cliche of, you know, have you eaten today? Or have you, um, you know, nourished your body? How much more important is the soul? And we don't, you know, okay, whew, 10 minute meal. <laughs> How many of us don't relish and enjoy, you know, that longer lingering of being um, fed a banquet? And that's what you know scripture is and should be for us we should hunger for that and we pray for the grace right for the lord to increase that hunger for the lord to increase our mm-hmm. desire to make that opportunity to have you know yes quality but you know oftentimes it is the quantity that enables the quality um for that encounter to happen we also celebrated this past week, the feast of Saint Francis de Sales, and he speaks of, you know, just the the. Um, I won't be as eloquent as he is, but just in our state of life, where whatever it is—be it priesthood, religious, married, single, um, working whatever that we are still called to perfection in that state of life so i think it's so easy for us sometimes to be like oh i'm busy or i have this or this is my prayer or this or that or but we are still called to that deep relationship of intimacy with the lord in the state in which we are in and we Mm -hmm. shouldn't lower the bar but um raise it up and ask the lord to bless it and again just the grace for that desire um, of greater relationship and intimacy
0: Amen. So, we're in the wilderness. Let's just acknowledge it right now in this very moment. call upon the Holy Spirit to illuminate our minds and hearts. We were made for a moment like this, that it is precisely the difficulties and the circumstances around us that are meant to refine us, to turn us to God, to rely on Him radically. Wealth and uh, comfort and all those modern conveniences that surround us in many ways deprive us, right, of seeking the source him who is the comforter. So part of that, as I mentioned, survival is the tribe. We just offer that word maybe in this moment in history that we tribe up, that we gather and identify those who share mission, that we make a commitment to those. Yes, reach the masses. Yes, reach those at work. Yes, reach those people, you know, who are on the periphery of our lives, but spend time with your spouse, with your family, with those families closest to you. So reconnect, reconnect and make commitments to gather and talk and pray. Again, it's what we're about. At I love my family, dot Us, And just to maybe practice what we preach, so to speak, Stephanie, I thought, why don't we call somebody out of the blue who perhaps has been part of our history, maybe even going back to our eerie days, and of course I have somebody in mind as I'm setting this up, and uh, I told him I was going to give him a call and, and get his thoughts on these ideas. Our good friend Paul Lori from uh, Erie, PA, who's a philosopher, master photographer, husband, father of many, who just brings a lot of wisdom, so... If you're okay, I'm going to see if he's available and give him a call here.
1: Let's do it. The great Paul Lori. The
0: great Paul Lori, Husband of
1: Gretchen, his greatest accomplishment.
0: Here we go.
2: Good morning. Paul Lorre. Paul. Your voice
1: makes my heart smile. Indeed. (laughs) Yay, and that laugh. Oh, my goodness.
0: You are with the Schleeters of the Greg and Stephanie variety. So, Paul, you know, we did this once before, and you were such a good trooper, calling you out of the blue, putting you on the air in front of thousands of people. We knew that you'd be comfortable with it because we're at a, as we introduced the program tonight, Paul, we talked about the fact that politically, ecclesially, culturally, in many ways, we're like the pioneers of old in a spiritual landscape. We're in the wilderness, we're facing elements that we don't know where they're coming from or where they're leading. And uh, just talking about, you know, what is essential uh, to make it through this wilderness. So, as a master photographer, artist, husband, father, philosopher... uh, Just all ground, great guy. You've been doing this. You've been doing this. So, I think Tribe, the word Tribe, a good book by Sebastian Younger, um, talks about throughout history the importance of, if you will, gathering together with people who share a common mission and the need to be part of that. So, I thought you might have some words to say, as I just threw a lot at you, to edify our conversation today. Surviving in the Wilderness...
2: So I went to the march uh, this past Friday, and I've been there like 25 times. Mm. And every year I ask myself, why am I going? And this year was no different. We got on the bus like at 11 o'clock at night, and I cannot sleep on the bus. I'm six foot three. I can't get comfortable in any way. It's just absolute misery. To get to um, the shrine of the Immaculate Conception, and it's in the teens temperature wise and the wind's blowing so the wind chill is just freezing and i'm thinking what am i doing here we walk up to the shrine the shrine is closed it oh. doesn't open until 6:30. we arrived at 5 30. Mm. We, there were teenagers on the bus that are half dressed i'm like oh my gosh these kids are going to freeze so we trundle them back on the bus and then we come back out freeze for about 15 minutes finally go in the shrine and it was it was lovely there but then we get down to the march and there's no bathrooms in any, almost anywhere. Mm. There's no places to eat except a couple things on the street. Um, they, uh, the, the JP2 shrine, for whatever reason, is closed. Wow. And um, they, uh, you know, it's like every, there's, there's the COVID this and the vaccination that and every possible obstacle they can throw in front oh. of us, including police everywhere. And we even saw a SWAT team in wow. here. And, and, I, and I, we get there, and, and Gretchen was saying, my wife, saying, oh, my gosh, you know, I, am I going to do this again another year? I'm like, why do I do this? And we got up, and we started to hear in front of the stage, and we started to hear the speakers. Mm-hmm. And we, saw, we heard Katie Shaw talk. Katie Shaw is a 36-year-old um, young lady with Down syndrome. Mm-hmm. And I, you're like, tears start coming to your eyes, like, oh, my gosh isn't so beautiful, you are why we're here. And then uh, Father um, Mike Schmitz gets up, Mm -hmm. and he brought the house down. Heard that. And it was so beautiful, (sighs) and he really wrapped it into a story of his grandmother who stood up when she had to, and uh, the hospital was about to um, start performing abortions in 1972 or 1973, and she said, I cannot do this. (sighs) She said, I think you should change your policy or I'm gonna have to quit so they said goodbye mm. and so something that she really loved she said goodbye to and father mike said you know many of you are asking why are you here mm. and i was asking myself the same question yep, yep. As he's speaking i was like my heart's on fire like i now i know i'm here i'm like i'm supposed to be here these speakers and this movement is so beautiful and and are we going to change when we have you know Uh, 150,000 people walking through D.C. Are we going to change any of those people looking out from the windows or Mm. the police officers around us or, you know, who's going to be changed? Who is actually paying attention to us? The media, uh, big media doesn't care about us. They just want us to go away. But Father Mike said, no, the person that's changed was not the hospital that she stood up to. It was her. Mm. It made her a better person and it makes all of us a better person. And I realized that at that moment, that it's really, it's really me. It's really Gretchen and I that have to come back, change, mm. and we have to inspire the people around us. We have to inspire our tribe, and we have to reach out to them, and we have to. Just it's say, awesome. Gosh, this is such, this is such a great story. I, I can't tell you how joyful the crowd was this year. It was like reached a level mm. of joy that I've never experienced before. Wow, this is beautiful. This is absolutely unstoppable. We cannot lose in the long term. So anyways, my takeaway was the personal uh, transformation. And we have to it has to come from the inside and and bubble out. And it has to bubble out to our friends and our family. And I just made it my mission to talk about the march with everybody that will listen because mm-hmm. I got back because it's so beautiful. So, that's my
0: pitch. No, I love that. That's awesome, Paul. Thank you. Paul, and of course, we had shared... Uh, Around this time, Stephanie's story, which uh, many of our listeners are familiar with, of course, 12 children, mom and dad, uh, 1976, of the bus in Erie, PA, Uh, mom carrying baby 13 with her head on her husband's shoulder. This would be Steph's mom and dad. And somewhere around midnight, going through Pittsburgh, uh, God called her home and uh, those near her on that bus, uh, you know, trying to revive her, felt the kicking in the babies uh, of, of her little brother in her mom's womb and the father, Michael Wagner, her dad having to come home to raise these 12 kids and the simple message um, with those circumstances didn't make a dime over 25000 a year 12 kids, one bathroom if you wanted to call it that and uh, the question of um, you know, what God calls us to, he does provide for. So whatever we're facing, whatever obstacles, in the case you're talking about the elements, the wilderness, of the weather, the uh, culture, the politics, the police, the absence of all of these things. And I hear you say really in a resounding way, joy. It's never perfect, right? But I think in some sense, is this not, so to speak, the prophetic voice that's been distinctive of Catholicism throughout the ages of a kind of sacrifice resonant with joy? I might even put it this way, without which there is no joy. I mean, there's a message of self-sacrificing unity in the heart of Christ, and many are kind of looking for an artificial joy, right? They're looking for an immediate sensory, uh, and they're languishing as a result. I mean, you... As well as anybody know, in fact, we, we've shared the story that it was your little baby Dominic when Steph and I, you know, were just dear friends and d- discerning dating. It was, you know, on the funeral date of your Dominic, uh, God calling your little one home early and at that literal funeral mass that my wife and I knew discerned up to that point that we were called to date and for us that meant marriage and of course now our youngest is named Dominic. So a lot of this beautiful story, you, you speak of story and um, we, you know, I think we run the risk. Risk of being maybe so close to any individual moment and not realizing stepping back and saying Wow I see I see the, the the brush of a master of a master painter painting us together in the fabric and the texture of our families and our relationships and as I hear you speak um, I, I do think the art of God in all of these stories in together and I'm kind of transitioning us to tap something else in you I know I called you out of the middle of the day but I think there's a theme here that revival yes the tribe yes Yes, joy, yes, and sacrifice, important themes, but the importance, shall I say, of good art that inspires, the importance of things that capture the heart, that uh, draws into the heart of the Father, and as an artist, not only as a master photographer and painter, budding painter with all of that, but also in your writing. Tell us about maybe what you've learned in, a, in your years as an artist and the importance in, I don't know, communicating our nature in God, discovering our identity through art.
2: Oh gosh. You, you, just, you just unpacked a whole bunch of things. <laughs> um, I, I guess the I guess the big thing with being an, an artist is you know, there's there's the true, the good and the beautiful. And, and I think Bishop Barron has talked about this and you know, right now our culture doesn't really wanna hear the true about the true or the good but it does respond to the beautiful. Mm-hmm. And I think as an artist, you have a special calling to reach people uh, through beauty. Beauty will always reach and touch the heart, and it cuts through all of the nonsense. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's why, you know, in the Catholic Church especially, we have really embraced art all its beauty. I mean, you think of the, 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 uh, the music, the architecture, the paintings. But... Um, you know personally um i i i find that it's sort of a it is a life calling and it's something that is not um i don't know how to put my finger on it but i know that uh, it is um it is inspirational and and aspirational and uh and when done well it touches touches one mm. uh, in a more marvelous way, and it, it it becomes something bigger than the artists themselves. Mm. It, it, it takes on a life of its own. I can't, I can't explain it. That's I beautiful. I don't under- completely understand the process, but it's really beautiful, and, it, and it, it lives beyond you. And it it is something that you just go, okay, I it came through me. I created it, but it's it's you know especially if, when you can step back, you know, one, two, five, or ten years later and look at it. And go, oh my gosh, that's that's pretty good. Mm. <laughs> yeah.
0: Fabulous. Go ahead, Steph. And I have one final question when you're done, and we'll sure. let Paul get on with his day.
1: So, Paul, I won't be as articulate and deep as my yeah. wonderful husband. Oh, please. But um, <laughs> for our listeners' sake, I I'd, I'd, um, yeah. declare that you have um, always been an inspiration to all of those who know you. Again, not to sound cheesy, but your deep faith... Um, Your example as a husband and a father but i just want to highlight you love the church Mm. and you and your beautiful beautiful wonderful wife gretchen huge shout out to what an incredible soul she is um and hero to so many including myself yes um just your your deep love of the church and the faith and you mentioned um you know, the JP2 shrine being closed and getting there early in the shrine being closed at that point. And so just kind of stirred up in me, honestly, a little frustration with our beautiful church yes. <laughs> in general yeah. during these crazy times. Um,
0: yes.
1: Can you speak to that? Because, again, I know of your deep love and faithfulness to the church. What words of wisdom might you offer those listening now um, in that realm?
2: Yeah, that's such a great question. There's so many frustrations. And there's so many things going on, and there's so many different things that you go. Somebody from our church said this or did that, and you're go, what?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Like,
2: how could that be? And i tr- I was trying to think of an analogy this just this morning, and and I, I don't know that this works, but the, in many ways, the, the the church is the church is sacred. Church is holy. Church is the you know, it's, it's the church that. that that christ created mm-hmm. but those members of the church are very very human like oh. all of us mm-hmm. and uh, you know i know my own flaws very well and i and i unfortunately see some of those same flaws you know played out in uh, different leaders of the church and i'm thinking well what, what's the analogy and it's almost like you've got this hive and at the hive in the very center of it is, is christ but all the bees buzzing around, a lot of them are going wayward and crazy and they sort of belong to the hive and they're going off track here or there. But it's it's don't get distracted by the by the individual bees. Look to the hive. Mm-hmm. And like there is Christ. And that's what one ought to, to focus on. And the rest of it is all the chatter and nonsense and, and the, the prism of history will show, you know, what's true and what's nonsense. And unfortunately i agree with you i think there's a whole lot of nonsense going on Mm -hmm. right now but uh but really historically you read history this is nothing new Mm -hmm. i mean this is going on you know by the the third century they were having major crises and perhaps bigger than ours so uh, you know we just have to you know get in the bark of peter and stay in it or you know stay focused on the hive whatever analogy you want to put in and put her eyes on Christ and uh, you know and stay in the bark of Peter.
1: Amen. Thank you.
0: Paul Lorai, man, myth, legend, friend, uh, companion on this road to eternity. Very blessed to have you, Paul. And just a shout out to all of you who are listening. Keep praying for Paul and his endeavor to write a novel, which we know is going to be award-winning. No pressure there. But uh, he's been working on it for many years. We've talked about this in the past, and uh, it's a labor of love, we know, that is is truly masterful, magical, and I think definitely uh, in the spirit of Tolkien and C.S. Lewis and the cosmology and the, the the imagination just being edified. So, but just a word on that, and then we'll let you go. How's Jimmy Wiggle? The Adventures of Jimmy Wiggle coming along?
2: Well, Jimmy Jimmy Wiggle's coming along well. I work on him every day. Um, what's the uh, what I realized is that his uh, his great um, antagonist, uh, Professor Wolfman, is is far more far more clever, far more. Uh, uh, actually insidious than I ever uh, expected him <laughs> to be and far mm. more um, uh, of the world and, and, and profoundly uh, successful in the world and, um, and, and far more brilliant than I, I ever knew when I started this whole endeavor. So, mm. um, and, uh, and Jimmy is, the, uh, is, is in many ways the, the perfect foil. Is it, so,
1: Was the professor's fake name, pseudonym, Fauci? No, I'm kidding. Never mind. Yeah. <laughs> Ouch.
2: ouchy, Fauci. It's funny. It really funny. It's like, how could this... Uh, it really is. Yeah. Like, ooh, you know, you feel like... No, this is all fiction and then you uh, you just go we can't make this stuff up I mean,
1: right. where did that guy come
2: from right
1: <laughs> well we're still excited and pray for you for the, the Jimmy Wiggle moment um, that yeah, our so listeners fun. can say they heard you here first yeah, but absolutely our That's kids right. our kids That's ask right. our kids still That's speak right. of it and um, it's just right. awesome but Paul thank you so much for taking time with us and not only the You're time sure. but sharing the evident grace and wisdom that the Lord pours through you yeah, so fabulous. love to your Family and um, let's connect soon. God bless you, Paul. Thanks God
2: bless, you. Paul. God bless. All right. Take care, have you guys. Okay, take
1: care. This week you would have been moving here eight, nine, nine years ago, nine years ago from Erie, PA. So it's kind of neat that uh, we just connected with some some Erie, Pennsylvania roots. And as we launch forth where the Lord has brought us, and who knows where He's leading us in this next year.
0: I am so blessed by acting on shall we say, spiritual impulses, guidances, to pick up the... Promptings. thank you. To pick up the phone better than even texts or emails, although those can work also in connecting with friends from the past. Um, For that reason, Steph, as you know... Um, I do love to drive um, and I do love while well, I drive to the annoyance of my family, when you guys were longer trips <laughs> no, it's or younger, actually beautiful. just to, to reach out to those who are part of my tribe. Uh, I've lived in 13 different places throughout my life and at each place cultivated really meaningful friendships. Um, and so to, 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 think of them and then to, you know, hear their voice for them to hear my voice, usually within seconds, they're the kind of friends that immediately, you know were recalling in history and it, there's something rejuvenating, right? There's something supernatural that happens when we hear another's voice. Uh, and again I think the book Sebastian Younger's Tribe is essentially a you know kind of a humanist uh, account of something deeply spiritual that we are Trinitarian, we're of the fabric of the Trinity. We're made for these relationships and regardless of whatever your faith profession might be, um, it's inescapable that if we're wanting to be healthy mind, healthy body, healthy soul, healthy life. we got to be building up bonds of meaningful relationship. And I think this does beg the question, Steph, I'm interested in your thoughts on this. You know, we have all of these modes of communication, which literally means break apart the word "communion," union literally with unity. Are they fostering unity? Are You know, are, are the tools of text and uh, email, and maybe it's worthwhile for us to examine our lives, you know, are we finding that we are going genuinely deeper, that we are, um, you know, being attuned to the heart of another. John Paul speaks of that building block of love, of empathy. You know, do we truly have curiosity and empathy and interest? You know, I do think um, something along with that, I'm interested in your thoughts, but, you know, what are the attributes of, dare I say, friendship? You know, what are those attributes that most of us know we would like for ourselves and hopefully inform how we want to be, but what are those attributes of friendship that we can build them up and also seek them from others?
1: So, um, listening to you, my mind went to a conversation I had over the holidays with a young adult um female who gave up uh or I think she may have taken Instagram off her phone, the yes. app, maybe. I don't know how all this stuff works. <laughs> but it cut kind of her easy access to it. Mm-hmm. Um and she made the comment how she missed seeing um pictures of, I don't remember who the person was, not important, but somebody in her life, maybe it was a pregnancy or whatever, kind of following along. And um, it kind of went into a neat discussion of how often we rely on scrolling through Instagram or Facebook Mm. for some sort of connection or information, if you will, about somebody or a check-in. But in some ways, and you can push back if you want it's i think it's kind of a selfish thing because it's fulfilling something for us right Mm -hmm. like oh i want to see a picture of her at this stage in pregnancy or oh i wonder how he's doing with this or i wonder if you know again fill in the blank with whatever would be relevant Mm -hmm. in your in your life and very 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 limited times do we actually reach out, whether it's, you know, even liking or responding or, you know, it's quick to like something, I guess, or whatever you do on Instagram. (laughs) Um, Not very personal, but yes. Do you know what I mean? But instead of gosh what happened to the days of picking up the phone and being like how are you feeling or mm. what's going on with this and obviously there's a, a great blessing in quick little touch points right through a text or through a, a messenger thing or whatever and those can be used for great good I'm not you know throwing out the baby with the bathwater, water as they say but how often have we replaced as, as you're talking about communication you know an a, Instant gratification, really, of some sort of knowledge. And it's like, okay, like we settle into that. Like, okay, I know how she's doing, or okay, you know, when there's no interpersonal. Um, real connection Mm -hmm. with that you know to hear somebody's voice and to be honest I catch myself in that sometimes too even as recent as you know just yesterday wanting to know how somebody was feeling um, who I knew was struggling with some stuff and um, it could have been fine just being like how are you feeling this morning Mm -hmm, or are you in a better mm -hmm. place or whatever and and I thought no like I need to carve out those moments however long they may or may not be and have that you know personal connection how are you feeling or how did your night go and and to not just you know get the thumbs up or the love or fine or whatever that I might see on my phone um, but to really enter into that relational conversation and I was blessed by Mm. it also so I Mm. feel like we have um, you know just dismissed and I think the enemy has gotten in there In many ways, using that to disconnect, to make us content, to just have some sort of head knowledge, you know, our checklist world that we're in. Hmm. Um, So I'm kind of rambly, but
0: no, I'm with you. In fact, I I think what you're speaking of. And where we're at right now in history, in the wilderness, I want to keep stating that as an image. We're in the wilderness and we're asking, what do we need to survive? Not only survive, but thrive. Not only thrive, but take over the wilderness, right? Christ didn't just come to establish spots of the kingdom. He came to establish his kingdom everywhere. But anyways, what you're speaking about, this relational disconnect and the yearning for real intimacy, I think flows out of Christmas, right? Mm. Christ's Mass. It ought to flow out of this encounter of the Word made flesh. For us to encounter tangibly, and I'm even going to say, for iconic movies through iconic movies such as "It's a Wonderful Life," Woo-hoo. does that not, you know, put in front of us um, a powerful image of what would life be like without us? Or might we even ask, how different would my life be if my spouse didn't exist? If I hadn't met him or her? If this child didn't exist, or this child died? What you know? What? How would the world be deprived? Paul spoke of the march for life. You know, we're there. You know, uh, certainly uh, seeking to give a, a vibrant witness to life to the world around us, where where it, life is so fragile and under threat. Um, to celebrate the life that is alive. But you know, wouldn't it be more powerful if somebody that we deeply love suddenly you know had an illness? Uh, And died. Anyways, um, to its wonderful life, Um, similar experience for me in October. We talked a little bit about my experience. One day we'll have a fuller episode on uh, getting COVID and the journey um, from trying to figure it out. Well, doctors didn't even know what was going on. Literally, in the hospital, four different doctors had four different plans. And behind closed doors, very knowledgeable medical practitioners were saying, listen, you know, behind these doors, here's what you need to do. I've seen this over the past years. We even heard them say, I'm very frustrated with the mainstream medical because they're prescribing things that are we have seen directly are causing death. Don't do that. I encourage you to do this, 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 and this. Along with doctors that we knew, even connected to Dr. McCullough and others, Dr. Steve Keebe, shout out. Dr. Anna Anders, shout out. Loving, godly doctors who are attuned to the truth and want to, you know, help us, journeyed with me through the hospital and very difficult moments in my life. Anyways, to, to the It's a Wonderful Life moment, through all of that, it just really reinforced for me the question of, you know, am I truly grateful? You know, you mentioned, Steph, that it's our ninth year of being here. Am I grateful for the abundance of blessings while we've been here these nine years, really knowing nobody when we came here? You know, we knew some priests that my mom had known from the Josephinum in Columbus, maybe two priests. Other than that, literally, we knew nobody. And so in that process, I was beginning to pray for and thanksgiving and blessing upon those closest to us. Again, I raise the word the herd. Who are, who are the, the people tribe. that God has called us to be the herd tribe? Thank you. The tribe, better than herd. No. <laughs> Strike that. Um, so the tribe, just really praying for those men and women, those families that have been closest to us. And I really felt moved to do kind of an equivalent of Babette's Feast. If you have not seen the movie, see it. And it's really about a woman who puts everything into honoring those closest to her through a meal. So I did have a prime rib and uh, beverages night for Brothers in Christ. And I prayed and invited them to this evening at our home. Uh, And we did invite a speaker, Jonathan Jakubowski, at the end to set the stage as a basis of conversation. Again, that's our episode 321. I never thought it would be a radio episode, but I did record him and just the meaningful conversation that followed. But, you know, I made a list of, and this is just unbelievable to me. And I'm not just bragging. It's, it's kind of a testimony of gratitude that there are 80 men on that list of invitees who I did not know nine years ago. 80 men, all of whom have made a substantial impact on my life. And hopefully I've impacted also. And of those 80 men, through various circumstances, not all could make it or whatever, but 30-ish were able to make it. And um, the, the fellowship uh, at that evening was was not organizationally. I wasn't asking them for donations, even though you can make donations to us at U.S. partnership. Anyways, it wasn't about asking donations or to be even engaged in mission. The simple thing was a context of missioned friendship. A warm fireplace was, uh, was going, and uh, beverages were there, great prayer, evening prayer, uh, good fellowship, we had tables set up, and it was just a delightful time. And I'll, I'll say I felt like it was um, a little bit of the Incarnation, a little bit of Christ among us, a little bit of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit, in a very natural, convivial way. And it really, I, I think, reinforced in me this message to all of you who are listening. In the Wilderness. What do we need to survive? What do we need to claim this territory? I'm going to say recover missioned friendship, beginning with your spouse to your family and make a list, make a list of those families that you know are you're most kindred with. And yes, we need to reach beyond those people. But make time and a place to reinforce those relationships by way of meals, gathering for prayer, going deeper, asking the difficult, meaningful questions that open the door to meaningful conversation. And again, I would state to you that that has been the heart of our mission from day one. It's to really, you know, realize the Trinity. Our nature is husband, wife, and family in the Trinity, that we're not just hydroplaning. And you think of the image of hydroplaning, uh, we see it with snow, we see it with rain, where the, the car, the wheels are moving, but we lose traction. For many of us, that's the experience of our Catholic faith. We're doing the stuff. Right? We're praying. Maybe no Venus or whatever. But we don't quite feel traction. Well, what it takes is that deep inner sense of, I'm going to risk to ask the right question of interest and concern. I'm going to be transparent with those around me. I'm going to create contexts of intimacy. We're going to image the Trinity. Experience the glue that uh, happens when we open those doors of those connections. So, Consider those who God calls to you as your tribe. Bring them together. And even as we approach Lent, we're now maybe a month away. Um, we are going to, this is a little bit of an advance announcement, we're going to be initiating a seven-week journey uh, into Easter, inviting couples who want to join us for a power hour online, so throughout the country, those who want to commit to uh, doing this live-it gathering in their homes On a weekly basis, it's very powerful. Those who do it experience tremendous strength, growth, transformation, culture change. So certainly to do it in your own home. But for the couples, 830 Wednesday nights through those seven weeks, we're going to ask you to commit. It'll be a great opportunity to gather with your spouse. Other couples will have breakout groups online through Zoom. Again, not our favorite, uh, most personable connection. But we do say, you know... Gather with them in your home. If you have like three or four couples you can think of right now, you can bring them on the at that hour into your home. Do as we're going to do. Gather a little bit before, hang out, talk, have some beverages, and at eight thirty you'll tune into us. And as a group, we will have large group gathering, and then we'll have the breakouts with small groups. So you could actually do a gathered version in your home if you'd like.
1: So Greg, just echoing all that you're saying, the importance of tribe. It's just kind of a fun word. I like in it tribe. Um, Gosh, like who doesn't feel rejuvenated and edified and encouraged when you're around people um, who not just share. Your same values and such. And again, I'm, I know you don't mean this either, but we're not talking about just hiding out, right? We're talking about that encouragement. We're talking about that, you know, calling on each other to greatness that you have foundationally, you know, the same thing going that missioned friendship, as you called it. Um, but who who isn't blessed by that who doesn't mm-hmm. feel like even then beyond that like mm-hmm. once you are you know edified in that way the overflow with other people but i think too often we skip that that piece you know, of coming together, of being supported by like-minded people. The image of, you know, the fire, right, with the different logs. Mm. And you have, you know, the more that you build them up together, the greater the fire. Mm-hmm. You know, instead of a little log over here or sometimes a twig over there or a little wee fire over mm. there. Great image. Um, you know, yes, those, those can be important. Yes, those can, you know, serve a purpose, but usually it's very short-lived. But it's when you come together and get that going. And, you know, those embers become flames, becomes bonfire-like, you know, so important. You know, looking back over the nine years, as you just prompted, you know, from the early days of us, you know, just very, feeling very called to invite people into our home, our domestic church, and to bring those mission friendships together and um, how the Lord used that. We, we even hear stories of recent day from, you know, eight, nine years ago, you um, of friendships, one, being formed, right? People who didn't know each other and, you know, they kind of created their own little tribes, mm. <laughs> break off tribes, if right. you will, um, which, is, which is meant... You know, that's what's meant to happen also. Um, but in particular, for many of those families and their teenagers or their middle schoolers, and to come together to see that they're not alone, to come together for that wisdom that another family may have or another couple may have or another, you know, fellow teen may have to share um, with their son or daughter and just how the Lord used that and continues to do it and the importance of that. We can't dismiss it mm. so lightly. Um, but I As I started to say before, too often I think we're in a world where, you know, yes, you know, especially in our Catholic world, you know, evangelize, 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 and we skip those that the Lord places right around us, Mm -hmm. in our homes, in our closest circles, and face it, sometimes that's the most difficult place to evangelize, right? Um, but we, you know, oh, we have to overflow here, or we have to go out there, we have to bring these people this, when we're not even doing it ourselves. And um, we need, I think, to, to reclaim that focus of tribe in mm-hmm. our marriages, in our families, in our churches, before we can, you know, go out to that outer ring or rung, <laughs> or whatever image you want to use, circles or ladders or whatever. Um but it's so important and it's so needed right now especially as you say in the wilderness and you know as we look ahead to 2022 yes we know and we claim that the lord has the victory and that he is lord and that he is at work and that good is coming out of all this craziness and that his kingdom is growing amidst it yes 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 and yes but we still need to be aware of the darkness yes have hope But how is the Lord calling us in this time of the wilderness in many ways? You look at what's going on in the Ukraine. Who knows Mm. when you're hearing this, what is actually, you know, it has happened. You know, the continuation of this virus and this perspective, this and, you know, these lockdowns and this, this school and this government and you know, just all of that. Do we have the compass first and foremost with us in the wilderness? And that compass, of course, is Christ Himself. And blessed as Catholics, that it is His revelation through the Church. Right? Um, are we Are we looking at the compass? Are we letting all these little magnets around in us and distractions, you know, pull it off center? We hear testimony from people, and again, we love to claim the passage from Revelation eleven, twelve.
2: 1211
1: so we say it so much I mix it up revelation 1211 that they defeated the enemy by the blood of the lamb our holy mass and the word of their testimony testimony is so important and from our earliest days in this ministry um, we love to provide a platform for testimony whether it be in our radio show whether it be in you know the writings whether it be this whole past year um, each week sending out a god with us story that came from you guys you know our listeners or people who follow us or people we approached and said hey can you tell us about this we heard this and just the willingness um, for people to defeat the enemy by the word of their testimony testimony changes lives we just heard paul mm. Lori speaking of the testimony of father mike schmitz who spoke of the testimony of his grandmother mm. who mm. like it changes people it mm. changes things we've seen that in our own home we've seen that through this ministry over and over again we've seen it through the the priests we've been so blessed by and with and so we encourage you wherever you're at whatever you're doing not to be afraid to share your testimony. Again, going back to Paul, Lori, our, our caller from a, a little while ago, he said he knew that the Lord wanted him to speak to whomever he encountered about the March for Life mm. and to give testimony to that. The Lord uses our words. So he is the word, and he calls us to be united in that word with our words, with our proclaiming, the goodness that He has done in our life, the presence that He is in our life, even among the hard times, even when we don't understand it, we are still called to give testimony. That's how the apostles mm-hmm. went from 12 onward, right? That they proclaimed it and they went into the homes, right? The early church were domestic churches. They celebrated in the homes. It was those early disciples who Evangelize their families and then went out from there. They came to know that testimony um, through others in that way.
0: Many beautiful stories were shared. there, from New York Times bestsellers down to our neighbor, all opening us up to the awareness that God is with us. So read those. Be inspired by those yourself. Share them with others. A simple way you can evangelize and help us is click on that share button. Again, I love my family.us, which of course is also the place where you can easily download the Live It gathering guide, but send us You know, alive at massimpact.us. Alive at massimpact.us. Around seven hundred and fifty words or less, we've gone longer, we've gone shorter. But just around that as a frame of reference, just speak it into a microphone and send me the audio and we'll transcribe it. Tell that moving story of something that's happened recently in your life that powerfully punctuated how God is alive. So I'm gonna throw out a challenge along with that love. The Stephanie challenge, please do.
1: So and I'm speaking to myself also and to you perhaps although you're so good at this but how difficult if i said to you right now say we did call you up out of the blue or if i saw you on the street and i said tell me how is god working in your life
2: Mm.
1: or tell me give me a a glory story you know some moments with the lord or some some evidence of his grace at work in your life how many of us would stumble you know, or um, not have much to say, right? So the challenge is two parts. One is to really step back and take some time of solitude with the Lord and to really ponder with Him how He is at work in your life. You know, whether or not you send us anything, this Mm. is the spiritual challenge, maybe even going into Lent. How difficult is it it for so many of us if we say, you know, what are you thankful for? Give me something, you know, other than saying family, friends, work, food, which those are all awesome and Mm -hmm. important, and we should always be grateful for them and never take them for granted. But like if we are called to go a little bit deeper, you know, how often it's difficult for us to go there because we have not, um, disciplined our minds, our hearts, our mm-hmm. souls to really encounter the Lord in just the everyday ordinary. And then two, if you're um, I think another answer that we so often get beyond the stumbling <laughs> of, um, um, I don't know how he is, or I don't have a glory story, mm-hmm. or he's just good, or I'm just whatever. Um, that we oh, we don't have time to do that. So, and again, I'm talking to myself here, what if we turned off the radio to walk away from Instagram or Facebook, to turn off Glenn Beck. In those moments where we're we get so sucked in to everything going on around us that we lose sight of what the Lord is doing in and through us and just to take that time. So those are the two challenges. And then if you're so moved, and I pray that you are moved, go to ilovemyfamily.us and share with us what the Lord said to you or what reflection you had or, you know, that moment of grace that the Lord enlightens your heart with um, to share. It makes a difference. It makes a difference. We're called to build that kingdom and we do that through the word of our testimony.
0: Beautiful, honey. Let me land this vigorous Greg and Stephanie rant, hour of rant, meaningful conversation and reflection. We are ranting. On on this state right now of the kingdom on earth, talking about the wilderness that we experience, talking about what we need to survive, restating that we need to discover our tribe uh, and make a pointed effort to to realize God has given them to us and to, to unite all the more fully with them, beginning with our spouse, in our marriage and family. And with all of that, I just ask this question as we land tonight, as you look to Lent a month away, what commitment might you make this Lent that a year from now, you will say substantially contributed to your family's spirituality? I'll state it again. What commitment might you make this Lent That will substantially result a year from now in a more meaningful spiritual atmosphere, connection, relationship, all of that. And I'm going to offer you an answer because we've seen it for everybody without exception over doing this nine years for everybody who has sincerely embraced this call to live it to do the Live It Gathering Guide just once a week. The challenge, greater than taking cold showers of Exodus, been there, done that, or giving up alcohol, been there, done that, or, uh, you know, whatever the case may be, all those challenges are excellent. The the most difficult challenge is the one that's going to have the greatest reward. And I'm going to submit to you that challenge is to say, family, this week, Beyond mass, we are going to pick a night that is regular, that works. And by the way, folks, our kids are as busy and have been as busy as any, anybody on the planet. Six kids in seven years, teen years, all the sports, all the drama, work, everything. We get it. If we can do it, I'm going to be bold. You can do it. There is no excuse. And it's a question of priority. What night this week can you find 45 minutes to gather as a family and not play games? You need to learn to shift the atmosphere and say, say it's 730 or 830 or 8 or if you have little ones and maybe it's early Saturday morning, whenever that is. We are going to gather, we're going to have some nice beverages, we're going to hang out, but know that it is going to be uh, uh, a focused uh, time. We're going to do the Live It Gathering Guide. There's fun questions, there's daily questions. You proclaim the gospel, you talk about what struck you, inspired you, challenged you, what questions did it raise. You learn to listen to one another, you tell them the rules of the road, that they have to listen, everybody gets their turn, The people are going to learn to, to, to sit and be attentive with all the gadgets set aside. Trust me. This is saying, God, I believe that you made our family for you. I believe that you are present in our relationships and we are putting the flag in the sand once a week to experience deeply and encounter you through our exchange of our hearts, of our minds based upon the Sunday Gospels. Trust me, if you do this, if you commit to this seven weeks in a row leading into Easter, you will discover a habit of family that will radically take territory in your marriage, in your family, and in your home. And to help you We are initiating a special online power hour for couples on Wednesday nights at 830. You got to make the commitment through all seven weeks. I think what we decided we're going to do, it's going to be a donation of $50 that we will return to you if you make all seven sessions. So it's a bit of a way of, of gaining your motive support because when you put money into it, it says it means something. And there's only uh, perhaps 100 who can participate in this. And we have groups throughout the country that want to do this. If you want to do this, you could do it as an individual couple, or maybe it's a group of you couples that want to do it together. Email me at alive at massimpact.us. We're going to have a build out in a registration page soon, but this will demonstrate to me that you really want to make that step as a, as the husband, as the wife. It's a statement that says, "As for me and my house, we want to grow more fully, more deeply as a family this Lent." I want to do it, Greg. Send me an email at alive at massimpact.us.
1: So yes, thank you for being with us tonight. You are with Greg and Stephanie Schleter, Ignite Radio Live. Know of our gratitude and prayers for all of you, and we look forward to next time. God bless
2: you.